Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good weekend? Yeah? You think we'll get into the fall yet? I think we might. We're, we're working on it. Hey, it's been a good uh, past several weeks. Uh, we have been in a series uh, out of Ephesians 6. We've been talking about the armor of God primarily. Uh, we are going to get into some, we got into some application last week, but we're going to really press into that this week. So um, we will be wrapping this up as we get ready to go into Advent in a couple of weeks. Um, and so uh, just kind of tying some knots off, giving you guys some stuff to do with this. Uh, I would encourage you, if you haven't had the opportunity to hear, if, you haven't, if you've missed some of the weeks, uh, they really do, um, there's an aspect where they build on each other, they support each other. And so I'd encourage you to go back online. You can find you know, on our website at cccov.org but you can look at past messages and it'd be worth kind of getting this whole picture of all that we've been talking about. Um, if I were to ask you this morning, if I were to ask you, how many of you guys feel like you are, um, you're a competitive person? I'm not gonna ask you to raise hands, but I know if I ask that, that we'd have this good bunch of people that say, oh yeah, I'm all in, right? And then we have this other group of people that would probably equal in number, and they say, no, that's not me at all. Now, we got that going on in our own house, actually. You know, Carrie and I, you will not find us sitting up on Friday nights, usually um, playing board games or anything, because um, she just gets bored and takes a nap about halfway through. So, um, <clears throat> so we know this, but the reality is, is that we live in a world that most of us, if not all of us, look at and we say, you know what, but there is competition going on in this world all the time. There's this struggle. Sometimes it's not people on people. Sometimes it's just a, a struggle for survival. And it goes down to like the smallest of organisms are in this type of competition. And so because of that, we tend to see all that we choose, all that we do, all that we invest our time and our focus into, we tend to see it as something that's either going to give us an advantage in that struggle we call life, or it's going to hinder us in that struggle, right? And so that's why, for example, we pursue the education that we do, because it will give us an advantage. That's why we pursue the career that we do, because we believe that it's something that will help keep us kind of beyond that, you know, that line of no return where you just kind of fall behind and can't catch up. We, we, that's why we make some of the social connections that we do. All of this is hopefully to help us in that struggle that is called life. In Ephesians 6, we've been seeing that we don't only live in a physical world, but we also live in a spiritual world. And in that spiritual world, there's also this struggle that is going on. We've called it the fight of our lives. And that struggle that we're involved in there, it impacts this life that we're in here as well, right? So what we do in this world affects that world. What happens in that world affects this world. And so we've been looking at that. And so we say, well, what's our advantage? Do we have any advantage there? Can we gain any advantage? And God says, yes. I mean, that's what we've been looking at, that the armor that he offers us is an advantage in that world because it allows us to remain safe. It allows us to remain kind of on our feet in a place that otherwise there's this battle going on. So we've been looking at all, all that, but in Ephesians 6.18, at the conclusion, at the final kind of piece of this passage we've been looking at, he really tells us what is the purpose of all this armor. So we've been preparing, right? We've been suiting up, but what are we suiting up for? And so we're gonna look at that today. So stand with me, if you would, as we look at this kind of final part of Ephesians 6. Now, Ephesians 6, just to give you a framework, 
Ephesians 6, 14 through 18 is one long sentence in, in the Greek in which it was originally written. And so it starts out in 14 with these two words, stand firm. And then it goes into three whole verses about, about stuff that just tells us about how we're supposed to be equipped so that we might stand firm. But then 618 that we're gonna be looking at today tells us what it means to stand firm. How do we do that, right? And this is what it says. So verse 14, stand firm, praying. Stand firm, praying. Praying all kinds of prayers, all kinds of petitions at all times in the spirit, alert with all perseverance, making requests for all the saints. Pray. Prayer is where we find that advantage. Prayer is where, why? Because prayer is where we go in in the power of God's spirit, right? And we go into the realm where the spirit is ruling and reigning. We go under the guidance of God's spirit, equipped by God's spirit with this armor. We go according to, praying according to the will of God that has been made known to us by the spirit of God. And God says that when we pray because of that, we, because we go in that authority and that power and with that kind of direction, when we pray, you guys, it says heaven and earth shake. It says when we pray, it says that the resources of heaven are released to do the will and the work and the business of the kingdom, the work of God. Amen? That sounds like an advantage, doesn't it? That sounds like that'd be a help, wouldn't it, in life? Could any of you guys, do you feel like, you know, I could use some of God's resources, maybe, right? Some of his power, some of his wisdom, his direction, his presence. That's where our advantage is found. That's what we're gonna talk about today. Today's message is titled Home Field Advantage. Let's pray. Father, you have said that when we step into the heavenly places that um, we are no longer just what we are here. God, there are some of us that we may have some influence with some. We may have, you know, we may have a little bit of, um, whether it's influence or affluence or power or, or just connection. Father, there may be some things that we can kind of accomplish here. But God, when we step into the spiritual realm, when we begin to pray, we, we enter that realm as your own people, as your own children bearing the name of Jesus Christ himself, wearing the armor of God, authorized as ambassadors and representatives of the kingdom of heaven, doing your business in your name. And Father, there is power in that. And we know when things change in the heavenlies that they change here. So Father, we need to know what it means to be your people. We need to know what it means to do your business. We need to know what it means to pray. So Father, I pray that your spirit would be here this morning, that he would, he would set this place and this time apart, whether we're here in this room or whether we're listening online, that he would take this time and this place and he would make it a holy space where you can speak, where you can change our hearts and minds, where you can undo the confusion and the deception of the evil one, where you can make clear the truth that you have given us so that you might be able to do your work and make Jesus known in us and through us. So Father, take this time and take your word and do your work we pray in Jesus' name for your glory, Father, by the power of your spirit. Amen. 
Amen. Have a seat. So when uh, Carrie and I lived in Denver uh, back in the early 90s, so there were a couple of times we've been able to, you know, had the privilege of living out there, but uh, in the early 90s we lived out there, we had these friends, and we would get together with these friends of ours every Friday night, and we would play cards. And uh, the cards, you know, we'd be there to, it was fun. I could go into detail, but I won't. Um, But the game that we played, we would pair up, and, and you'd have this game where you have you know, a certain number of cards and then you have to pass blindly you know, some cards to your partner and then you have to discard some cards and the others get to pick them up. And so you're trying to set your partner up and set yourself up to get the best hands so that between the two of you, you beat the other team, right? I mean, some of you guys have played these games and uh, we always divided up. It was guys against girls, you know, because that always, then the competition actually gets going and... Um, so uh, the, the thing was, was that I, I worked all day long with Bert, who was the husband of that. So here's my partner. We're working all day long. So one day we came up with this. I mean, it was brilliant. It was a brilliant plan. And uh, we said, you know what? Let's develop these symbols the, or these signs, you know, that we can kind of pass to one each other. Like if I need clubs, I'll kind of sit back. Or if I need hearts, I'll lean forward. And, you know, if I need like a jack, I'll kind of lean on this hand. And so we had this whole thing. We had it figured out. I mean, it was perfect. And we, we ran over it, you know, while we're at work and we're kind of talking, okay, and this is, now what was that? Yeah, okay, I got it down. And so we come in we come into that Friday and we're ready. Now, I don't, I don't know why we came up with this plan because actually up to that point, we were doing fine, you know? We were, we were winning quite a bit. Like I said, Carrie's not a big competition person, so she was having fun talking and would sometimes lose track. And so we'd win a lot, you know? And, and, and her friends, you know, Sandy, she was having a good time and they were having a great time. We were having a great time. We were winning. So I'm not sure why we, but we thought, you know, this would be fun. This would be fun to see if we can pull it off and then we just kind of dominate and then we'll spill the beans after we're done. So we go into that Friday and, and uh, we start playing cards and it's working perfectly. It, we, we set up these signs. I knew every card that he, knew, he needed he knew every card that I needed. All we had to do was get those cards, pass them to each other, and we'd take this thing. The problem was, was we could not put together not even a decent hand between the two of us. I mean, just hand after hand. It's just like, there's nothing. There's nothing. So round after round, we lose. We lose. And the girls are going, hey, look, we won. And, you know, they're not even trying. We're just losing really bad. I mean, this plan should have worked. It should have been slam dunk. It should have been something where we kind of got to the end and gloated and then said, oh, we were just kidding. Look what we did. But the truth was we never mentioned it again because um, <laughs> the reality of us was that, as I, I mean, if I'm remembering correctly, and I think I am, we did not win again after that Friday. You know, just we, did, we didn't even use the plan anymore and we did not win again. Not a single round. We barely got together any hands that were worth looking at. After that Friday, it was almost like we forgot to take into account, I want you to hear this, right? That if we started cheating like that, then we might have somebody in this other world that we've been talking about, you know, that would join their team suddenly, right? <laughs> and then you're really up a creek, right? If they got three people playing on their team and one of them has to be, happens to know all the hands at the table and runs the cards, right? We forgot that we live in two worlds, not just one world, right? And what happens in this world affects that world, and what happens in that world affects this world. You guys, that wasn't a big deal. We didn't lose our salvation over it or anything like that. We didn't, but you guys, prayer is based on that assumption, based on that understanding 
That what we do in this world affects that world. What happens in that world affects this world. That's why we pray. Prayer impacts the world that we live in. Prayer is when we join with God to do his work. It doesn't matter if we're saying words. It doesn't matter if we're acting. When we, we can live out our prayers by living in alignment with God and joining God in what he is doing and doing the work of his kingdom. That's what it means to pray in the spirit. It's saying that the very spirit of God is living in me and he is acting through me because I'm no longer doing just my agenda. Instead, I'm getting on board with his agenda. I am praying in the spirit. I am living and walking and acting in the spirit. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. Because I'm saying, you know what? If Jesus were here, I really believe these are the words that he would pray because as the spirit is giving me the words to pray, I believe this is what he would want done. And when I live in Jesus' name, I'm living the way that I believe he would live if he were here. So I am not asking God to do things that he hasn't thought of yet, right? I'm not asking God to try to twist his arm to get him to do things he doesn't want to do. I am joining God to do the things that are already on his mind and already in his plan. And prayer, prayer is when we are suited up. That's what we've suited up for. We've We've gotten dressed in this armor that he's given us so that we might in his name and in his spirit pray effectively in this world and continue the work that he began, all right? So we say, so what does that look like? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take us to another passage. It's in the book of Matthew. Many of you guys know this passage. It's in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. It's a prayer that Jesus prayed because I wanna use it as an illustration. These are the very words of Jesus. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It could be called the Disciples' Prayer because that's really what it was for. So they had said, how do we pray? He says, pray like this. So Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, pray in this way. Now that doesn't mean just, just say these words, but it says, pray in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's the prayer he taught his disciples. Simple, but it has a lot to it. And I want us to look at it because I think it gets at the things that we need to understand about what it means to pray. First of all, what's the first word that he begins with? Our. Why does it say our father? It's not my father, not your father. That's not who we're praying to. We're praying to our father. Why is that important? Because if I go to God thinking he's going to trump you and just do what I want, I'm missing it. If I go to God thinking he's going to listen to you all the time and not hear what I'm praying, I'm missing it because he's our father. Our Father, why do we pray to him? Because he's the only one that has the wisdom and the ability to actually meet all of our needs at the same time without missing any of us. But when I pray, I have you in mind, right? Because I'm not gonna be praying against something that God wants for you. When you pray, you have me in mind. Our Father. Our Father, why is that important? Because we don't go to God, who's a, this deity that's distant from us, and he's just sitting in heaven. It's just he's annoyed. He's mildly annoyed with us. Maybe he puts up with us a little bit. No, we go to our Father, our Father who heart leaps in his chest every time he sees us. Our Father that wants to see us and wants to commune with us, wants to hear from us. Our Father and our Father who wants the best from us, for, for us. So he is the one... 
And then we say, not just our, our father, but our father, our father who loves us, our father who is in heaven. Why is that important? Because he lives in that realm that we say that when things change in that realm, it changes everything in this world too, right? That's where he rules. That's where he reigns. This is our father who is in heaven. And when he, man, if there's someone that can impact what goes on in this one, it is him. And because he's there and we have his ear as his children, we know that we have an advantage in this thing, right? We know that if he is with us, we, we don't lose. That's the whole story of Jesus. Doesn't matter if even if you go through the cross, God can pull out his, okay, he didn't tell you about, well, he has this trump card he plays called resurrection. And you come back out of the grave and that's the end of the story, right? That's what Jesus has taught us. Our father in heaven. Now, the fourth point's a little bit more subtle. I want you to hear this. It's really important. In the original language that the book of Matthew was written in, the language is Greek. And these, in that language, when you made a petition in a prayer, it's in what's called the imperative mood. Now, you guys are going, what? It's the command form. If I say, there's something different than me saying, you know, from me saying, you're going and you're, that person went and did this as opposed to me saying, go do that, right? That's the command. Go do that, get this, bring it here. Those are commands. And, and in Greek, they would speak these, their petitions, not just to God, but to any superior. They would speak his petition in that mood, in that command form, when they knew that there was a good likelihood it would be done, Okay? And that's especially true if the thing that you're asking for is the very thing that you're, the person that you're asking wants done, right? And so when we pray, the assumption is we're not praying for things to be done that God hasn't, that God has no desire. We are praying the very things that God has said, this is what I want to see accomplished, right? So those first three, those first three petitions, for example, Father, let your name be lifted up and seen as holy. That's something God wants to see because he knows that that's going to, that brings a clarity to everything else. If God is lifted up, then everything else kind of falls in order. God, let, let your kingdom come. Rather than all the crazy kingdoms that are ruling in this world and are mucking it up, God, you bring your kingdom. God, let your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. That's important. You look up at heaven, you say, you know, I don't see, I see this here, but I don't see it in heaven. I don't see the kind of strife and confusion in heaven. So God, let your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth like it is in heaven, right? Now those ones are easy because those are like, okay, those are obvious. Those are things that God wants done. I want you to think about the next one that he says, right? Give us this day, our daily bread. Jesus teaches his disciples and he says in Matthew, in hearing Jesus, he said, you know what he's saying? What Jesus told us is we ask this in the same way that the Greeks would pray it, which is you're praying the imperative. You say, God, I believe this is what you want to happen. I believe everything about your, your name and your character and everything you've shown, you want to provide for me. I believe you want me to be provided for. So give me this day my daily bread. And not just me, but give us this day our daily bread. 
And we don't just pray it as a, as a request. We don't just beg God to do it. We're, we're like announcing it. This is what God wants to do, right? Romans 8, Romans 8, it says that God hasn't even, if God didn't hold back his best, if he didn't even, if he didn't withhold his son, why would he withhold any good thing from us? Romans 8, Matthew 7, he says, you know what? If you who are fathers here on this earth and you're broken, you're sinful and you're imperfect, but you know how to give good gifts to your children and you desire to give good gifts to your children, don't you think your heavenly father who is perfect without flaw, without blemish, don't you think that he knows how to and he desires to give what is good? Don't you think if, if your child asks for a, for a loaf of bread, are you gonna give him a rock? If he asks for a fish, are you gonna give him a snake? No, then won't God give you what is good, right? One of the names of God, one of the names of God, when we go in and we say, God, let your name be lifted up in this place, right? We go in and we say, that's, that's the first petition. We say, God, you know, I see in this place, there's this thing called sickness and it's at work, but I look in heaven and I don't see it there. In fact, I see you have called yourself, you have said, I am the God who heals and we say, well, God, then let your kingdom come. Let your name be lifted up instead of the name of the sickness, instead of the name of even the doctors or the medicine that we you know, do our best. But no, let your name be lifted up. Let the God who heals be lifted up here. In the same way, when we have provision, you've said that you're the God, not just that provides, you're the God who sees before we even know what our need is. And you already start working on the provision before we even know we need it. Yahweh, Yireh, Jehovah, Jireh, whatever, however you want to pronounce it, but that's the God who sees and provides. We say, God, let your name be lifted up. Let your character be seen here. Give us this day the bread that you've been planning for us before we even got there and knew we needed it. Amen? But then it's the last, the last set, right? The last set of requests, because these get into the things that Ephesians 6 is really focusing on. Forgive us our sins, like we forgive those who sin against us. Cancel our debts, the way that we cancel the debts of those who owe us, right? Protect us, keep us. Don't lead us into temptation and trials. Don't lead us into those. Protect us, keep us, and deliver us from evil. Right? That's where the battle's fought. Isn't it? That's what we've been talking about the last several weeks. And we need to know that those two are prayed in the imperative. We pray those knowing that these are the very things that God wants for us. Did you know that God, he doesn't just kind of, oh, I guess I gotta forgive you because Jesus died. Oh. You know, he's not, ups he worked that. Why? Because he desires that. He desires to see us cut loose from all those bad habits and the bad thinking and the, just the, the mess that gets us into the bad situations. And he, he desires that for us. When we pray that we're, we're aligning with him and we're declaring this thing, God, then let God forgive us for our sins. He desires that we would forgive others. Why? Because that ties us up. It kills us. It kills them. It kills us. It brings death in this world. It doesn't bring life when we hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness. It doesn't help anything. 
He desires that for us. He desires for us to not be brought into times of trial and testing and things that, where we have to kind of have the, the refining. He would rather see us avoid the fire if we can by giving up the stuff before it has to be burned off, honestly. He'd love it. Because his, his ultimate desire, he'd love to see us, he wants to see us delivered from the evil one. He wants us to see us delivered from the brokenness that breaks and destroys our life. He wants us to see, he wants to see us delivered from the one whose only desire for us is that he would kill, that he'd steal, that he would destroy, that he would ruin us. So when we pray, we pray with confidence. So we, we don't just say, God, um, let your name be hallowed, as if this is a request like God does, let it be lifted up. We say, God, let your name, your name be lifted up here. No other name. God, the name of, let the name of Jesus, the name of salvation be seen here in this situation. No other name. Let your kingdom, no other kingdom be at work here. Let your will, no other will be done here. That's the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Right? Going back to Ephesians then, Ephesians 6, 18, it's kind of like, okay, so, okay, so when, how, what, what should we be praying about? Listen to what it says. It says, you know what? Pray all kinds of prayers. Make all kinds of requests, right? Bring this imperative, say, God, you know, anything that you see that needs to change, just bring it to God immediately. All the time, he says. Even prayers, even prayers that take time. Do you guys know that there are times when we are praying with this kind of where we know, we know our God, we know what he, is, what he has done, we know how he is, we know his character, we know his name, and when we know that God and we turn and we turn out and we start to pray and we declare the things, when we're making these imperatives, we're not commanding God to do something, he already wants to do it, right? So what are we commanding? We're saying, okay, then in the spiritual realm, in this physical realm, line up. With that, in my own heart, line up with that. Line up with him. Line up with that will, with his will, with his kingdom, with his name. Line up. And there's sometimes when you pray and, and um, you're, you're wrestling with, you know, whether it's strongholds that don't want to come down or you're wrestling with, with principalities and powers that don't want to give up their own autonomy and you're wrestling against these these things that don't want to break. And there's sometimes you got to persevere in it, right? Because you pray the first time, it doesn't work. And you go, oh, I guess God's changed. He doesn't love me anymore. It has nothing to do with that. He says, it says here that we pray sometimes with all perseverance because we know what God wants to do. We know what his nature is. And we say, this needs to happen here. And we keep at it, and we keep at it, and we keep at it until we see God break through, until we see the, the, the defenses, we see the resistance finally fall. And we see the, the kingdom of God come and the will of God done. And God's name lifted up, right? So we pray with all perseverance for all of God's people. It's our Father, praying for each other, and always it says in the spirit. Again, what does that mean? That means praying with the understanding, the wisdom, praying with not my mindset, but his. So it's not just praying for the people of the church, right? 
It's praying for all the lost and all the, broad, all the, when we look at the life of Jesus, who did he reach out to? Everybody. So we're praying for the lost and for the broken. We're praying for the sick and, and the hurting and the confused. We're praying for the marginalized. We're praying for those who hate us, right? Because God still loves them. We're praying for those who, who seek to do, um, to do violence against us. We pray for those who kill and who steal and who seek to destroy because we know that our battle is not against the flesh and blood. The battle is what's behind the actions of the flesh and blood. The battle is against the things so that they might be set free and be able to find the same freedom and the same life that we know because that is God's purpose. Amen? So our prayers are always for people and our prayers are, are always in the imperative when we pray because we pray in his spirit and in his name. That's prayer. So how do we do this thing? What does it mean? What does spiritual warfare look like when we pray? First, we suit up, right? We've been talking about that for weeks. I wanna review it again. I want you to walk with me through this, what it means to put on the armor of God, okay? We've gone through this the last several weeks, but this is so important when we pray. First, it starts with God's truth, right? And out of God's truth, we find out things about, for example, our righteousness. One of the things that blocks us from praying, keeps us from praying, is our own guilt, that we don't feel qualified, we don't feel right, we don't feel like we're right with God. And he says in his word, in his truth, that you know what? I have come and taken care of that in Christ because you now wear a righteousness that's not your own. You could have never earned your way here. You, never, you don't have the strength, you don't have the wisdom, you don't have the ability to be good enough to be good enough to stand before me. You don't. And so I've given it to you as a gift because my son did. He did all that and he did it as your representative and because of what he has done, you now can put on that same breastplate of righteousness. So in God's truth, we find out that he has given us a righteousness that covers us completely and perfectly, Right? And so we go, okay, so I have right standing with God. And he says, because of that, my feet don't have to move. I don't have to run from this battle. I know that I am in a relationship, it says the gospel of peace. I am in a relationship of peace with God. And not just a peace like we're on okay terms. I mean, he has brought me into his family. I've been adopted as his child. He loves me. He lo I'm the apple of his eye. I, I, do you guys get that? Because of the righteousness that Jesus got us, there is nothing that stands between you and God. And so we stand grounded in these shoes we have on our feet. And because we know the standing that we have with God, we know we're protected by the shield. The shield that doesn't have to do with how, how strongly I can believe it, but has to do with how faithful my God is to keeping his promises to those that he said that he loves. And he loves us because of the righteousness that is ours in Jesus. And we know this because of the truth of his word, right? And because we're covered by that shield, I know that the thing is it's going to characterize not just my life in my life, but my life as I live out into the lives of others. It is the thing that's going to characterize me is the very name of Jesus, the very salvation that crowns my head, right? That's who you're going to be known by. And what you're going to be known for on that battlefield is going to be that salvation, that wherever you go, the hand of salvation, the salvation of God is breaking out through you. And because of that, I can take the word of God and I can speak in the imperative into the heavenly places and say, no, these things have to happen. 
because this is who our God is. Wow, huh? So suit up. That's what it means to put on the armor of God. So suit up. So first thing, we need to, <laughs> we need to speak boldly the things that God has said and who he is in all situations because that, that is what this armor is about. Second, spiritual warfare is also, it gets us into a position of, of instead of just being self-focused, inward focused, because most of us, when we go to God, we say, God, you know, I got this going on and I need this and I need that and I need, it's all here. But we're covered. That's part of the armor. We, we have everything we need in that armor. We know that God's watching over us. We know that he's protecting us. He, we know that he stands with us. We know that his shield is, is over us. We know that his salvation crowns our head. So we go in and suddenly our, 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 our perspective can go, instead of inward, it can start going upward and can start going outward. It goes upward to God. When you look at Jesus and his life and his ministry, he wasn't constantly going, wringing his hands, going, oh, I just, I wish I could do more. I could. He's spending time with the Father in this prayer and just this, this communion with the Father. And then he's turning out and he's doing the work of the kingdom. He's confronting demons and he's healing, he's healing the sick and he's feeding the hungry and he's teaching people who are confused and in darkness, he's teaching about the, with clarity the teaching of the kingdom. So it's upward, it's outward. And so our lives too, we're, because we're covered in this, that spiritual warfare means that we are constant communion with the Father. We know who he is. We're, we're surrounded by the truth. We know his name. We know his character. We know that he has said that he is the God that loves. He's not the God with the big stick that beats us up. He is the God that chases after us as a father to save us. That's what we know. That's what we stand in. And then we turn outward. We say, where I don't see that, I speak those words in prayer. I'm not commanding God, but I'm saying this needs to line up. You need to line up with him because his kingdom, let his kingdom come. Let his will be done here on earth like it is in heaven. You guys, are you getting this? One more thing. Spiritual warfare then is where we, it's always about this bold confident, audacious prayer. When we pray, we begin to pray. And we don't begin to, we begin to lay hold of God's promises. We begin to declare in the imperative, you know what, sickness be done. And you guys, sometimes, like, I've had these questions. What if you pray and it doesn't happen? Keep at it. Keep at it. Keep at it. I mean, until something breaks here or it breaks there, it doesn't matter, until it breaks. And if, if it doesn't break, then you keep at it. That's the perseverance part. So um, declare in the imperative of the things that he has already said that he, he desires. Speak his name. He said, you know what, his name, when he chose the name, we talked about this. He chose Jesus, which means salvation. So when you see somebody bound up and not, not you see them tied up and being taken advantage of an oppression, whether it's injustice, whether it's poverty, whether it's just, you know, it doesn't matter. But you look at it, whether it's sickness, and you say, you know what, no, Jesus' name, salvation. So in Jesus' name, let your name take precedence in this. Let it rise up from this situation, not what I'm seeing, right? We pray boldly. 
We wrestle in the spiritual realm to take back ground. We take back ground in our lives, right? We take ground in the lives of others. We take back ground in this world that his name might be seen as above all other names, that his kingdom might come, that his will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. You guys, that's, that's where we do our battle. That's where, that's where we, we fight this fight. That's where it says, so therefore be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God and stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Stand firm against the plottings and the plannings of the devil. Stand firm how? Stand firm praying, praying. You know, over the next several weeks, you guys are gonna hear about different opportunities that you're gonna have too. You can go home and start praying, but we're, we're really gonna lean into this as a church. Today, today, Cheryl, uh, Pastor Cheryl had told you guys um, yesterday there was a, 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 an outreach event and they had a prayer room and that's still set up downstairs. We have an opportunity between services, after the services, that you guys can kind of go down and there's... there's um, uh, a connection time with, with snacks and stuff like that, but this prayer room is set up so that if you want to walk through that, you can take advantage of that. You can pray, pray with each other, pray for each other, walk through that so that we pray together. So we're gonna have all kinds of opportunities that are coming up. Next week, the elders are gonna be getting together during this service and going to be praying together for this church. And over the next several months, they're going to be having these events that they're going to invite you guys to join with them in those prayers. We're gonna have special times where we, special initiatives that we're gonna put together about how to pray, how to pray uh, intentionally, how to pray boldly, how to see this body come together and start doing the thing, standing up in the armor of God and praying. Amen? So look for those. Don't just pass them up. Don't just think that you're not, you know, this armor has been given to you too. And this command has been given to you too. If you are his, if you belong to Jesus, if you're one of his ambassadors in this world, his desire is that you learn how to pray boldly, effectively, and see this world change because of what you bring before his throne, but also what you speak into those heavenly places. Amen?